Hi everyone, how you guys doing today? My name is Matt Jarvo. Welcome to episode number 27 for Milk Cart Mysteries. It's been a long weekend. I, uh, I got distracted last week. I wasn't able to get to the episodes for Thursday and Friday. I had car problems to deal with and yeah, no real excuse, but there we have it right there. Sometimes life gets in the way, so it is what it is, but I appreciate everyone being uh, supportive of it and people being uh, cool with it. And so there we go. All right, there's a lot to talk about today. A couple of crazy stories to talk about. One is a Russian serial killer, perhaps probably the worst there ever was, who now laments being alive after being incarcerated. We're going to be talking about the rape suspect who was released from jail only to go on and kill his accuser. That story has a crazy twist at the end of it, too. Well, we're going to talk about that one. And then, of course, finally, a school shooting plot from two boys who were out of school has been thwarted. And these Columbine-inspired potential killers have been already arraigned and locked behind bars. We're going to get that full story because it's a doozy. And as always, I want to invite everyone listening to this, whether it's on YouTube or if it's on podcasts like iTunes and Spotify, Google Podcasts, please head on over to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the milk carton in order to get in on the conversation to keep things going. And if you want to make sure that you can get your voicemail heard, your voice, your comments heard, head on over to anchor.fm forward slash milk carton mysteries and uh, download the app. And through the app, you can send me voicemails directly that I can play here on the show. So that's a way to do that. Uh, I, I thought about setting up a Google voice line. I still have a Google voice line, but I figure for right now, if you want to get your comments heard, that could be a good way to do it. Anchor.fm mobile app, Milk Carton Mysteries. You can send it in right there. You can listen to it right from the app. It's a good place to be. Okay, so let's dive into the very first story of today. And that is the insane, crazy story of former policemen Mikhail uh, Popkov, who is 56 years old, who is currently serving a life sentence at the penal colony in Mordovia. Uh, and he's been convicted. <laughs> and this is true. He's been convicted of killing 81 women, many of whom he has raped. And these are the ones that we know about. These are the ones that he's confessed to. This guy has as a monster, in my opinion, an absolute monster. And the thing is, he understands, he, he recognizes that fact too. Now, according to this article, he is Russia's worst ever serial killer and has confessed to the killing of 83 women. And as a result of this, he's been branded the werewolf. I mean, you never want to give a serial killer a cool sounding name, but I feel like in this case, they gave him a cool sounding name, the werewolf. But here's the thing. He wishes he'd actually been executed. But is that a play? Some might say, yeah, because we're going to talk about that towards the end of this particular piece, but that's something to consider while listening to this. Is he just saying these things in order to get back in the news? Or does he really believe them? Now, this serial killer, Mikhail Popkov, he's only recently admitted to another couple murders in the 1990s and has now expressed regret for the first time over his reign of terror. How, how do you get to a point where you kill 83 women 
rape 81 of them. And at some point have your coming to Jesus moment where you're like, yeah, now I regret what I've done. I don't know. I personally, I don't know. Now, police do believe that his final toll will be much higher. And a senior investigator is still working on the case, predicting more than 100. And according to the senior investigator, possibly upwards of 200 potential victims. If that's the case, I mean, let's let's speculate here. If, 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 he, if he has killed 200 women, at no point does this guy have regret. He's got sadness, he got caught. He's got sadness, he's got to spend the rest of his damn life in a camp. You know, that's what it is. All right, that's all it is. Now, what the werewolf himself has said is there were moments when I thought the death penalty was better. Yeah, because you've been locked up and you're sitting there. You're twiddling your thumbs. You're not doing anything. This is the whole point. You are locked away from society. You are alive. That is the one thing you're given. But everything else is, no, you sit there and you are antsy and you get angsty and you wish you were dead. And you're only 56. I'm sure you've got a long way to go. Now, he does say, and maybe I'm being too cynical. Okay, I can admit that. I can admit that I'm potentially being a bit too cynical here. But he says, I have a lot to regret. For example, that none of this had happened had I not done these things. Well, yeah, obviously. You regret, like, you regret that you got caught. I'm sorry. Like, oh, these things, none of this would have happened if I hadn't done it. So I regret my actions. Yeah, you slaughtered 80, over 80 women. You know what I mean? Like you slaughtered, you slaughtered a lot of people. I don't quite know how I, I I'm not going to take that and then be all like, oh, poor Mikhail. Poor Mikhail. No, not at all. The death penalty is too easy for him. And this is, this is freaking like Russia we're talking about here. You know what I mean? Like this, like they kill you for less in Russia. There are literal gay concentration camps in Chechnya. You know, like this dude is being kept alive for punishment. Now he says that it is natural desire of any person to regret. And I've had a lot of time to think. But he does still remain evasive about the number of women he's killed. He says, I did not count the number of my victims. Yeah, once you kind of get into the double digits, I can see how it would be easy to get lost. I do. I see that. I get that. Yeah. Now he's routinely... Now, this is what he did. This is how he captured the women. He's a former cop. And right now, given where we find ourselves in this whole, like, all cops are bastards movement, it's not a good look for this guy. But what he would do is he would routinely use his police car to offer lifts home to lone women as they walked home after a night out. And then he'd kill them. He would just be cruising along by himself in a cop car a symbol of protection, a symbol of hope, supposedly, a symbol of your, your safe, safety, luring them in the car. No one would see him again. I mean, it's so brutal. It's almost, it's, it's, it, the, it, how perfect of a scenario it is, is what adds to the brutality. That's what I'm trying to say. Now he does say here, and this is where he tries to kind of argue maybe a bit of a, a bit of a defense. 
He says, I cannot tell you the details of the episodes, but everything was the same in the city, late in the evening, at night, being drunk. Now, I'm assuming the being drunk is the women that he's, that he's accosted. But then he says, I stopped. Then I felt fear that I would be caught. After 80 women? You thought you'd be caught once you hit 80 women? I mean, at some point, it was going to happen. You, you can't rack up that much of a body count and like not eventually become it. I mean, look at the, but, and I'm not trying to be mean or mean spirited, but this is a guy who was targeting very vulnerable women. And he used his, his badge and his cop car and his presence and his authority to make all this go away. And then of course he would know exactly if anyone was looking, you know, I mean, it's, 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 it's Russia, man, I guess. Now it does say here that law enforcement video shows him at a murder scene as he explained how he killed one of the two victims that he recently admitted. He confessed to forcing her to have sex. And then he told the detective, we quarreled and I murdered her. I hit her on top of her head. She fell down and I did not show or did not see any signs of life. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, I mean, at this point, if, if this is one of the final two women that he's the new ones he's admitted to. Is, is this like one of the earlier killings or is this one of the later ones? Because I think after 80, you're kind of proficient in it. You're, you're going to know it's not going to be sloppy. You're going to have a you're going to have a plan. You're going to have a routine. You're going to have a hunting ground. Predators have a hunting ground. And when you're the technical apex predator of that particular area, no one's going to know what you're up to because no one is going to be looking. It's crazy. It's absolutely nuts. Now, the lieutenant colonel, who is the lead investigator, has said that I am more than sure that he committed more than 100 plus crimes saying it was impossible for him to stop halfway. And I agree. I agree. After a while, you just kind of, you realize you can get away with it. And you just kept getting away with it. Now, there is a concern here. And this is what I mentioned earlier, that Mikhail is actually rationing out his confessions in order to be regularly moved back to the Siberian crime scenes from his hard labor penal colony. <laughs> yeah. Why not, right? Why not ration these things out? He says here, I've been here for 10 months. Or I've been working here for 10 months and I just wanted a vacation. So I wrote a confession. I knew that I would be brought back to Itarusk. I'm probably mispronouncing that. So think about this. This guy, this is the thing. So of course he's not coming out with it right now. He's negotiating. He's negotiating. I've been in this hard labor camp for 10 months. I've been working my ass off for 10 months. I want to get out there and I want to, uh, I want to get a burger. I want to get a good night's sleep. Right. I mean, this guy's playing you. He's going to write confessions about a lot of stuff. I mean, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if because of his experience being a cop, if this dude figures out how to get away, like, I wouldn't be surprised if, if, if these, if these investigators keep taking him out there, you know, if, if he is rationing these things out, which it does appear that they are, you know, they believe that's the case that he's going to sit there and use it as a way to get away. I, I just, I think that's what's going to happen because right now his hard labor is he's sewing uniforms and face masks because of COVID. That's what he's doing. He's not breaking rocks. 
This guy's a scammer. This guy's a, a, a you know a freaking scammer, man. That's what he's doing right now. He's just figuring out a way to to, to you know to get out and uh, and I think you know maybe using the pandemic as a way to probably try to get some kind of escape plan. And you know what? I have no doubt in my mind that we're going to hear that Mikhail Popkov, Russia's worst serial killer, is going to get away. You know what? And in that moment, and this is what I want to hear your thoughts of. In that moment, I just have to ask the question, would death be better? At this point in time, would death be better? Sure, there wouldn't be justice. There wouldn't be closure. But he would never have the opportunity to hurt anyone else ever again. This feels like a long con. But I want to hear your thoughts. So definitely, definitely let me know. So let's talk about someone who is a uh, a true god-awful piece of shit. And that is, of course, Ibrahim Bayechi, who is a rape suspect who has now died from self-inflicting gunshot wound after being charged for killing his accuser. Yeah. Just that headline alone lets lets you really know what we're what we're dealing with here. Right? So this is this is what's going on. Alexandria police are saying that Ibrahim E. Bayachi a rape suspect who was released from jail in the wake of coronavirus went on to kill the woman who had accused him. I mean, talk about a preventable death. Really? So Ibrahim here was indicted last year on charges that included rape, strangulation, and abduction. He was jailed without bond, and the woman in question, the victim here, testified against him in Alexandria District Court back in December. Now, this is one of the bigger issues with the pandemic and and legal proceedings. It's thrown a wrench in everything. And a lot of lawyers are using this time as a way to argue to get some of their clients out of jail. Like if you follow the president, Michael Cohen is out of jail on a three-year stint because of coronavirus. It just, it takes some of the resources off of the... uh, off of the off of the system, and I get off of the prisons. I get that, and I and I understand it when it's white collar crime. But this is a dude who had been arrested for murder, and his lawyers were able to successfully argue that he could get. I, I just I can't believe it. Anyway, this is this is what it's saying. So when the pandemic hit, his lawyers argued that he should be freed awaiting trial because the virus endangered both the inmates and their attorneys, which is a valid concern. And he was released on a $25,000 bond. So, I mean, it's no small number. I guess, well, 2,500 is what he would need to get out. But that's, I mean, I think it should have been higher. 25,000, I got that wrong. I want to, let me just kind of, you know, (laughs) delete that. No, should have been higher. Given what he's accused of, it should have been higher. But anyway. The prosecutor vehemently pushed back on this and the judge, the judge allowed it, ruled on it. So if you want my honest opinion to this particular point, you have a dead woman and the judge is at fault. Like the, in my mind, the judge is at fault. Now, the judge's name is Circuit Court Judge Nolan Dawkins and he released Ibrahim on the condition that he only leave his Maryland home to meet with his lawyers or pre-trial services. 
Yeah, okay. I mean, we know how that worked out. Not well. Uh, especially for the woman uh, who was, uh, you know, found dead, shot in late July. Yeah. And he was arrested uh, on August 5th for it and then let out a couple days later. Now, authorities did say that federal marshals and the Alexandria police uh, spotted him and pursued him in Prince George's County this last Wednesday. However, he crashed his vehicle and then shot himself. And then he died Saturday night from the self-inflicted gunshot wound. So he shot himself in the head in the car, didn't die right away, spent Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, four days. I would hope in agony. I would hope in absolute agony. And then he finally died. And you know what the sad thing is? I can't find an article mentioning the woman's name. I can't. They're, they talk about Ibrahim here. Ibrahim's getting all the getting all the ink. This this the the rapist who got out of jail because of coronavirus, and then went and shot and killed this woman. Oh well, he may not have been. I may have read it wrong. He may not have been arrested in in August. It, it, the articles have been a little bit kind of crazy here. So, oh no, he was taken. Oh no, he was taken into custody on the 5th of August. That's when he was shot and killed. Okay, sorry. I got my dates wrong. My bad. So he shot the woman and then they finally discovered him. That's what happened. That makes more sense. Some of the articles were a little bit all over the place. So that's my bad. But it doesn't matter. The time, you know, he got out. He went and he killed his accuser. He got spotted by the cops and then he shot himself. And then he spent four days. But again, the thing I wanted to say, now that we have the timeline correct, about the woman, about the victim, because he's not a victim. F that guy. The victim was from Venezuela. She had no family here in the United States. Which means that when they buried her, there was no funeral. I, I don't know the full procedure. It, it could be very similar to like Heart Island in New York where that's where they bury the bodies of those who are unclaimed. It's a tragic story. She was clearly victimized. She clearly was failed by the system. Yeah, she wasn't a, she wasn't a, a citizen of this country. And some might argue, oh, well, you know, whoopsie, but no. No, this guy murdered her after he raped her. She testified. She did the right thing. The system was supposed to protect her. The prosecutor wanted to protect her. But his lawyers were able to argue, no, we need him out. Now, his lawyers have issued a statement that I read, and they, they expressed their condolences. But I'm not going to lie when I say it came across to me personally. Callous as fuck. Came across to me to super callous. Well, we're real sorry that this happened. Yeah, I know it's your job to defend your client. And you, you couldn't have known that he was going to go do this. I get that. This is one of those moments, though, where I think like maybe shutting the hell up might be the better course of action. Or how about working to like, I don't know. Create a memorial in the, in, in the name of that woman. 
something, a billboard, some kind of something to let people know what her name is. It's terrible. It's tragic. It's disgusting. And here's the thing, guys. Entirely preventable. Our legal system at work. Yay. But as always, I do want to hear your thoughts and your opinions. So uh, let me know on that one. So, all right. Let's talk about the uh, the last story here. One of the one of a bit of a happy ending, as if that if that even is something that could be really perceived off of this. What you have here are two Rochester teenagers that were allegedly planning a Columbine style massacre have been arrested. And I mean that's like one of those things that's in my mind an absolute just kind of sigh of relief, you know. Like I were, I was a junior in high school when Columbine happened. I remember that vividly. And, you know, Parkland and all the other shootings that happened, Virginia Tech, all those shootings. That, you know, I, I'm a true crime guy. So like I pay attention to those things. They do stay with you. Sandy Hook, all that stuff, it stays with you. But Columbine, because of my age, because I was in high school at the time, that's the one that stuck with me the most. And it's been over 20 years. And the fact that, that these two idiots were idolizing the two shooters is just like how in 20, I mean, I don't get it. We don't popularize them, but yet they still discovered them and they still loved what they were all about. So this is what we know. These two teens expressed admiration for the Columbine shooting massacre, had discussed carrying out their own plans at a school in Rochester. And they were allegedly going to kill as many as they can, according to court documents. Now, these two idiots, absolute monsters. It's not idiots isn't even the right word. Absolute monsters. John Schultz, the fourth and Donald Robin. John is 18. Donald is 17. I mean, think about that. These guys were going to 18, 17 years old teenagers. We're, we're going to do this massive thing. They have now each been charged with conspiracy to commit murder and intimidation. Now, this goes back about a month. In July 13th of 2020, a confidential informant told the Rochester police officer that uh, Schultz and some of his friends were planning a school massacre. The informant said that Schultz was waiting for school to start so he could kill as many as they can and then kill themselves just like Columbine. Now, here's the thing. Both of these boys, they don't even go to school there anymore. They're both former students of Rochester Community Schools. They're not active. Now, Schultz lived in proximity, like close proximity, to the Riddle Elementary School, which probably would have been the target. If they wanted to, you know, kill as many as they could, an elementary school is fish in a barrel. You know what I mean? Now, after the officers were able to review posts on their public Facebook pages, they were able to then obtain a search warrant. And when they looked in the Facebook Messenger conversations on Schultz's account, they found one with an unnamed individual where they discussed this alleged plan. The conversation happened back in June of 2020, June 29th, 2020, and it discussed Schultz hanging out with Robin. Now, Schultz allegedly wrote here, we're going to do it. I want to shoot up the school with him. I want him to stay out of trouble till we can shoot up the place. 
So if, if he's already wanting his friend to stay out of trouble, meaning these guys were already probably into some stuff. Now, on June 21st, Schultz and Robin messaged each other and indicated that they had a suicide pact. Robin wrote, but I'm killing myself after I kill a bunch of people. And if you feel like you need to do it, then do it. Just know I'm stopping you because you're my partner. And we're piecing out when we kill a bunch of human scum. Jeez. So it appears like Robin here might have been the more aggressive one. This is the one that Schultz wanted to stay out of trouble. So he clearly is the more aggressive player in this particular scenario. So after they did all this, that he was going to kill, he basically says in this one, I'm going to kill you and then kill myself. Like we're piecing out together. You're my partner. I'm making sure you're going to do it. That's what I take from that. Now, Schultz responded back with, you guys are my family. We had bad childhoods. We will always stick together. You guys freaking mean everything to me. So these guys have been friends for a long time and apparently they had rough upbringings, according to this. I mean, I don't know. But that could have been what drove them. I mean, look, psychological damage to kids when they're younger, it's, it, 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 you know, it's an ongoing thing. It's, it doesn't just go away once you turn 18 or once you hit of a certain age. That stuff will last with you. You know, and so maybe that's what it was. I don't know. I don't want to give him any, I don't want to give him any sympathy. I just, I just, I don't. Now, court documents did go on to say that they gave themselves the same nicknames that Dylan Klebold and Eric Harris used. They also sent each other photos of Harris and Klebold, so they idolized them. And that might be, you know, this might be a case for like why we shouldn't popularize these people because like something like this would never happen. But if these guys, you know, you could Google this information and still find it. Now, back in August 6th, so just a couple of days ago, Robin had a conversation with another unnamed person on Facebook and he confessed to almost uh, perpetuating a school shooting and having an itch for it. He wrote, can I tell you something that I've actually had an itch for when I used to go to school? I was almost a school shooter. Robin then said that when he was in the eighth grade, he was depressed, suicidal, and homicidal and decided that he would shoot up the Rochester Middle School. He wrote that his father had recently acquired an AR-15 so one day he put the AR-15 in 12 magazines in a duffel bag in preparation. He then sat outside for approximately 30 minutes and then talked himself out of doing it. He had planned, and this is what he wrote, he had planned to kill more than 100 people, innocent kids, adults, whatever, and then he would kill himself. But he decided it was too risky because of the new security guards that had been put in place. And you know, we, we hear a lot of complaints from parents about the extra security on campus. This is one of those moments where we actually learn that that actually saved lives. And that's kind of mind-blowing in its own right, if you think about it. Now, in another conversation, he allegedly discussed shooting everyone at Caston High School. So this guy had it on the mind. He says he wanted everyone dead there and at Rochester High School. This kid is deeply disturbed and he clearly had, he was clearly going to do something like this at some point in time. Now, 
he even had it figured out for how long it would take SWAT to get everywhere. He figured out that it would take 10 minutes for SWAT to arrive at Caston and another 10 minutes to figure out what was going on. He said he would then kill the security guard and then start killing people in the halls, then kill students in classrooms and try to get through as many rooms as possible. In another conversation, Robin says he had a gun locked in his dad's safe and later discussed shooting up festivals, black churches, and even an airport. So I can't help but wonder if he's like, if it, if it moves from like, he, he, he went into this thinking he was going to die. You know, this kid went into it thinking he's going to die. But then he was like, I'll shoot up a festival. I'll shoot up black churches like Dylan Roof. And even an airport. Like what? The no Russian mission from Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2? You know, like. I'm starting, you know, when, when you when you look at it like that, when you look at those examples. It almost makes you really ask the question, is this kid just full of shit? Is this kid just seeking attention? Did he actually take an AR-15 and 12 magazines, put it in a duffel bag and go to the school? I, it's a tough one. I don't know what I believe in that case. I really honestly don't know what I believe, but it is one of those things where it, it's hard to tell. So the charges were filed against them on July 30th. And uh, they're currently waiting uh, the trial and they're waiting out through all that. So look, here's the deal. Personally, I'm glad that they have been stopped. Personally, I'm glad that they have been put in jail. Whether or not this was real or a cry for help or a cry for attention or something, either way, I want them off the streets. If, if Dave Robin here has all of these problems. He's got to get that shit checked out. And it seems like he was the ringleader. Like, it seems like he was the one who was actively pushing this. Like Schultz was like just a foot soldier, not absolving him of any responsibility, obviously, but it feels like he was just a foot soldier. So if he's just a foot soldier and he was just following, you know, his commanding officer, his boss, his sergeant, It'll be interesting to find out what happens more as the story progresses. And of course, as much as soon as I can, I'll find out more. We'll talk more about it. But in the meantime, I really want to hear your thoughts and your opinions, because this is a crazy story. And if, you know, thank God for that confidential informant who narked him out. So something to think about. Anyway. That actually wraps up today's episode. I really appreciate everyone uh, paying attention. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I think you guys, uh, again, the iTunes, everything's been growing pretty well. Uh, if you guys are looking for more of me, if you happen to like my voice, if you like what I have to say, I uh, started a new side project called Stranger Days. And that whole thing is a podcast about weird news. Because when I research all this true crime stuff, I come across a lot of crazy news stories. And those are always a lot of fun to discuss. And so I have an episode up. Uh, you can go to the Facebook page, Facebook group in order to get that link because I don't have it on hand right now. But in the meantime, I'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Have yourself a great day. Thank you again for listening. Oh, yeah. Uh, head over to, as I said, Anchor FM forward slash Milkarton Mysteries. Download the app. Send in your voicemails. I want to hear them. All right, everyone. Have yourself a great day and peace out.